Welcome, and thank you for joining us for today's CME podcast. PrimeMed podcasts are dedicated to providing on-the-go clinicians with pertinent, evidence-based primary care content that won't take too much time out of your busy schedule. Information about CME credits and faculty for today's podcast can be found within this activity's landing page on primemed.com slash podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Be sure to also go to this location in order to claim your CME credits after the program. Thank you, and enjoy. Welcome to this series of podcasts on basal insulin therapy. And in this one, we will discuss matching therapy to patient needs, identifying when and which basal insulin is just right. I'm Dr. James Gavin, Clinical Professor of Medicine at Emory University School of Medicine in Atlanta. And I'm Dr. John Anderson. I practice internal medicine and diabetes at the Frist Clinic in Nashville, Tennessee. So when one thinks about when is it appropriate to use basal insulin in type 2 diabetes, surely at the earliest stages, at diagnosis, when there are uh, uh, instances of severe hyperglycemia, for example, in blood glucose is greater than 300, presenting A1C is greater than 10%, or if there's symptomatic hyperglycemia. This is an indication that there is catabolism when persons present with polyuria, polydipsia, weight loss, and other catabolic characteristics. That's an indication that it's time for use of basal insulin. When other non-insulin agents are in use uh, and the basal uh, A1C is uh, 8% or more and you're on two or more non-insulin agents, then clearly it's time for intensification. Basal insulin is indicated. When other agents are contraindicated or they're not tolerated, like GLP-1 receptor agonists, or if you have long duration of diabetes, insufficient beta cell activity because you have now gotten, in effect, basal cell or beta cell burnout. It's time in that person for basal insulin therapy. Obviously, we have to emphasize avoidance of hypoglycemia and avoidance of weight gain remain important goals. Now, what are the approved basal insulins in the U.S.? Well, the U100 series of basal insulins actually include one that is an intermediate insulin, and that's NPH. We've kind of usurped NPH as a basal insulin. It was never really designed to be a long-acting, non-peaking uh, insulin. But the others, Detamir, Glargine, and Degladec, are members of the U100 series of insulins. They are considered long-R, in the case of Degladec, ultra-long-acting insulins. The concentrated insulins are the ones that contain more uh, than 100 units per milliliter. That's U200 and U300 Glargine uh, or Degladec um, U200, Glargine U300, and human regular concentrated insulin U500. All of these basal insulins are available in pre-filled pens, and that's important because Pen delivery assures that you can get more accurate delivery, you can minimize uh, uh, errors of uh, delivery, and with the 
concentrated insulins, you can use smaller volumes per injection to deliver larger numbers of units. Now, it doesn't matter which basal insulin you use. You actually can get similar glycemic reduction. You want to lower all of your blood glucose uh, 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 values, uh, the, the, uh, the peaks and the valleys, you will do that if you keep adding basal insulin. But remember what you do when you push all of the values down, then you may in fact push some of those values down into the hypoglycemic range. So one has to be very careful about how much basal insulin uh, to use. Uh, fix the fasting, but when the it's the postprandials that are a problem, then go for prandial solutions because all of these insulins provide similar reductions of A1C. NPH is the um, so-called basal insulin that has the shortest duration of action, anywhere from 12 to 14 hours. But it has a pronounced peak. That's why we call it an intermediate acting insulin because it really does peak in the vast majority of people somewhere around uh, eight hours. When we look at Detamir and U100 Glargine, their duration of action is just a little short of 24 hours. For Detamir, about 21 and a half on average, U100 Glargine, anywhere from 16 to 26 hours. But they have less pronounced peaks than NPH. The, 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 the peaks that they do have occur around 10 hours or so, about halfway through their time action profile. Degladec and U100 are really ultra-long-acting insulins. They have a duration of action greater than 24 hours, uh, even beyond uh, 36 hours in the case of U300 Glargine or 42 hours in the case of Degladec. Now, what that means is that you get a lot more dosing flexibility because you don't have this pronounced peak. Um, there. Uh, the profiles of action of U100 and U200 Degladec, pretty much the same. Um, um, but U300 Glargine has a very different time action profile versus U100 uh, Glargine. But the key to remember is that the U300 and the Degladec uh, insulins have um, uh, a lot more flexibility because of their time action profiles. Practically, what does this do for us? Well, one of the things that it does is that when you don't have insulins that peak, that have a variable time action signature, then you can actually uh, avoid uh, variability of glucose excursions, and you can avoid variability in terms of the insulin profile of action. The day-to-day -day variability is greatest with NPH because it's a peaking insulin. Um, uh, it's greater variability there than for U100 Glargine, uh, and that's greater than for, uh, for Detamir. The, the less peaking uh, you have with the time action profile, the, 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 the less variability you have. Ultra-long-acting basal insulins may offer a further level of improvement. Reducing day-to-day -day variability is very important because it is associated with, that is variability is associated with, increased risk of things like hypoglycemia, 
More variability is associated with more major adverse cardiovascular events, or what we know of as MACE. And importantly, the more variability you have in glucose excursions, and these are the kinds of excursions that you get when you have an insulin that has a variable pattern of response, you have increased risk of more mortality. So variability is something to be avoided. Now, when you look at the different types of basal insulin and uh, from the standpoint of dosing options and flexibility, NPH is recommended that you give it once or twice daily. That would make good sense when you consider that its time action is generally around 12, 14 hours. Detamir, once or twice daily is recommended. Once daily with either dinner or bedtime, but if you're gonna give it twice a day, you should make sure that you're giving it 12 hours apart. U100 or U300 Glargine can be given once daily at any time, but the recommendation is to give it the same time each day. Again, you wanna make sure that you try to to achieve the same kind of time action profile whenever possible. Degladec has a lot more flexibility. You can give it once daily at any time. If you miss a dose with Degladec, you should always take that missed dose when you remember it, but make sure that there are at least eight hours between those doses. Now, what's the hypoglycemia risk? From the highest risk, to the lowest risk, NPH, because of that peaking nature of the insulin, has the highest risk of hypoglycemia. It's greater, uh, more hypoglycemia than Detamir, or U100 Glargine. And both of those, Detamir or U100 Glargine, have more hypoglycemic risk than Degladec or U300 Glargine. So the longer-acting insulins have less hypoglycemia risk and you would expect that because they are non-peaking. And then there are other considerations that are important uh, that can just be mentioned um, again. All of these basal insulins are available in pens. If you want to give lower uh, uh, volumes of injection, that is small injection volumes, then the concentrated forms, U200 Degladec, U300 Glargine, or U500 regular insulin, these are concentrated insulins. You give smaller volumes per injection. Therefore, you're giving larger units, larger numbers of units, but you're giving those in smaller volumes uh, when you have patients requiring large doses of insulin. And you have a lot more flexibility, remember, with insulin degladec, um, and you also can achieve that with uh, U300 uh, glargine and the hypoglycemia risk is lowest with the ultra-long-acting insulins, Degladec and U300 um, Glargine. And then the lowest weight gain potential is with Detamir, and that's important. In the days that we have now with insulin prices being what they are, many patients are sometimes reaching the donut hole uh, and unable to uh, continue with their um, newer insulin, uh, basal insulin analogs, so they may need over-the-counter products like NPH um, and because that gives them lower out-of-pocket 
requirements, uh, depending on the coverage that they have. And then there have been CVOTs, cardiovascular outcomes trials, that have helped us dispense with this notion of atherogenic potential of insulin. We've had the DEVOTE trial, we've had uh, the ORIGIN uh, trial uh, that have looked at uh, these basal insulins, U100 glargine and Degladec, and have shown no evidence of increased cardiovascular risk, no evidence of a signal for uh, any malignancies, and these have been extremely important uh, outcomes. So, Dr. Anderson, in light of the discussion on basal insulin, let's look at this case that um, we'll discuss. This 58-year-old man who's had type 2 diabetes for nine years, currently his A1C is not at goal. He's at 8.8%. And he's on a glucose-lowering regimen that consists of metformin. He's on two grams a day, one uh, gram in the morning, another in the evening, on a sulfonylurea, an SGLT2 inhibitor. Turns out in the past he's been tried on but was intolerant to a GLP-1 receptor agonist. And unfortunately, sometimes he misses his evening medication doses because he falls asleep in his chair watching TV. Why is this guy a good candidate for basal insulin? Well, you know, Jim, he's only 58 years old, so clearly he has an A1C goal of at least less than 7%. And you're 1.8% away. So let's think about what our options are, right? Would a DPP-4 give you 1.8% A1C lowering? No. Uh, would a TZD give you 1.8% lowering? Now, a GLP-1 receptor agonist might be a good choice, but he's been proven to be intolerant. So I think there's very little choice here except to introduce the concept of basal insulin. And let's also remember, he's had nine years of duration of diabetes. He really is uh, hes a little bit down the road in his diabetes, and it's not surprising to think he may need insulin. Um, would you really favor one of the ultra-long-acting insulins in his case? I would. I mean, associated, as you described, less hypoglycemia, less within-day variability, a lot more predictable pattern. I mean, I've seen over the last few years in these novel basal insulin analogs, my patients really can tell a difference in, in this when they've been switched from a U100 glargine. So I think I would do that. But again, again, it's whatever is on their formulae. And the other thing about this guy is that if it in if, in fact, it's a problem for him that he's falling asleep, missing his evening doses, it, we would take great comfort in having him give an ultra-long-acting injection in the morning yes. and not have to worry about chasing it again uh, at, uh, at night. And I think here's a case of a guy uh, where, um, while we may uh, not have uh, a lot of the uh, cardiovascular advantages that might have been attributed, for example, to a GLP-1 if he could right. have taken one, he does he get, get some of that with the SGLT2 inhibitor that he's on, and there are no atherogenic risks associated with any of these uh, long-acting uh, insulins, and we've got the CVOTs uh, right. to validate that. Right, so this would definitely be a morning uh, administration, and you know, it's still, even though you're giving it in the morning instead of the evening, it's still the morning glucose that you're going to use to titrate. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Dr. Anderson, and thank you for joining us for this installment of our series on basal insulin. We thank you again for joining CryMed for today's podcast. Remember to claim your CME credits for the program on this activity's landing page on primed.com slash podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Also, be sure to check out all of our other podcasts and primary care activities on primed.com as well. 
See you next time.